they think I'm living in a science fiction film. When yeah. I'm like, no, the earth is going to be scorched and this is what's going to happen. And they're like, you're you're crazy. Well, I, I've seen articles about people who think that um, we shouldn't have windmills because they're stealing all the wind. I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> sorry. Are you, what? Yeah. Is that real? Yeah. <laughs> stealing the wind. Yeah. Woo! Welcome to episode 53 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or maybe a gin and tonic. You can watch us live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern at pubtheology.com, and you can catch us anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, as well as the New Thought channel streaming on your Roku device. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsors. Our beer sponsor is Craft Beer Cellar, whose primary focus is amazing beer, education, and hospitality. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you. And you can win free beer from Craft Beer Cellar by joining our conversation. Um, This is the last month for the contest, so tweet in. um, Notify us on Facebook using hashtag PTLive. So this is the last month for the beer. Um, that you can win a beer certificate. So, <clears throat> excuse me, make sure you comment to us this month. And remember, the funniest and wittiest usually win. And it's completely random, judged by us. Or you can call in and leave us a message on our casual priest hotline, which is 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830 and win free clergy apparel from Craig casual priest and i recommend looking them up because they really do have some some cool stuff and i'm not even a clergy person i will agree i will agree i support my casual priest uh outfit most most sunday mornings and our wine sponsor is wink wine club that's wink with a c wink features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door you can get started at trywink.com slash ptlive for $20 off your first order and other savings. So get that uh, wine cellar stock with Wink Wine Club. Well, tonight we discuss the implications of calling Earth mother. Is it related to how she is treated? And does the implied maleness of God end up causing many to pit heaven against Earth or the spiritual against the physical. So there's a lot to get into there. And we'll also get into what happens when science and faith clash. Who has to give way and why? And if time permits, we'll discuss the ramifications of Jesus still bearing his wounds after the resurrection. And to help us sort through all of this good stuff, we are joined once again this week by Reverend Shannon Meacham, She is a pastor, a blogger, and a veritable theological ninja. Welcome, Shannon. Thanks. (laughs) Tell us where you're joining us from and what you're drinking tonight. So I am at home in um, just north of Baltimore, Maryland. I am drinking a um, Doppelweizen. It is a limited 
It is my new favorite beer. It is the only beer I have given five stars on Untapped for. Wow. Full star five stars. It is a limited release, so I um, have made my um, private uh, liquor store owner. We go to this great little liquor store called Drink, if you're in the north side of Baltimore. And um, he hides it for me. So if you want it, you have to beg Bennett to actually give it to you because he'd be like, no, these are Shannon's. <laughs> Done. And that's Lag uh, Lagunitas, is that correct? It is. It is. Nice. It is delicious. Oh, they're the best. They're so I was at, good. Shannon, I was at Lagunitas on um, Easter Sunday. Really? I'm very yes. jealous. I love it. There. Yeah, so I'm cool. I'm truly and honestly in love with this beer. Like, you know, <laughs> really. Awesome. Good stuff. Awesome. Well, my name is Brian Burkoff. I am the pastor of Holland UCC in Holland, Michigan. So joining you all from the Midwest and author of the book, Pub Theology, Beer, Conversation, and God. And tonight I am drinking a local offering, uh, Reverend Monk, a Belgian triple from nearby, nearby Saugatuck Brewing. And back with us tonight, Tina Simmons. Tina, hey, I'm back. happy to be back. I was so excited to be back. Um, <laughs> Tina here. I'm the non-minister on the show, um, the the very opinionated non-minister on the show. Also author of Zandrael, Being Human is Overrated. So if you like fiction, check it out. And I'm drinking Greater Than One. And yeah, isn't that cool? So my friend brought this last night um, in celebration of my starting my new job. And um, she brought it over and I was, we were talking about it and I was all excited. I'm like, I never tried it before. And she's like, oh, I thought you brought this to my house. <laughs> Don't you fun. love it? Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. And what's what's the style of uh, of that wine? It, it's a red blend, um, a red which, blend. I, you know, I've, I've really because I just had two weeks of like intense wine training. <laughs> um, but I'm really appreciating red blends like it, it really is a beautiful art form. There's a lot of. Um, you know, chemistry involved. There's a lot, you know, it's just, I don't know. I love the idea of wine. It's like a farming industry. I don't know. It's just, it's so cool to me. The whole industry. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's art, there's science, there's good wine. Yeah. Bit of culture. Absolutely. So Shannon, it's great to have you back on the show. Is this your third time with us? Maybe? I think so. I was trying to remember. I think third, I think so. That is um, awesome. And I've actually started a, just to whatever. So, I mean, I know that we've talked about my pastor at Ashland Presbyterian Church in, in um, Hunt Valley, Maryland. I'm a blog at pulpitshenanigans.com. And if you read the RevGal blog pals, like I blog for them too. Um, but I've also started a new venture. I've started um, doing clergy and congregational coaching. Oh. Um, and that's really like exciting and scary and fun and all that good stuff too. So there's like, I just can't sit still. <laughs> hey, good for you. Good so, for you. That's Shannon, awesome. how does that work? Like um, they bring you in for the whole church community um, when, when there's issues. That's kind of, that's one way of doing it. Like I'm right now coaching my church on like visioning for future. So it's kind of a, um, I'm using it as a method right now, right? Like I'm, as another tool to help us move us forward in our own vision. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it certainly could be used. I mean, kind of what you learn is like coaching can be used around anything, um, but it's a very action oriented um, method way of doing things. I, you know, methodology um, 
versus like therapy that goes backwards and asks why, how did we get here? You know, coaching just kind of says that doesn't matter. We're here now. Where are we going to go? You know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I've, I've really found it very helpful. Yeah. Cool. So family needs coach. Excellent. I'm here. Excellent. Yeah. There you go. You know where to, know where to find her if, if you need some good coaching. That's excellent. Yeah. So we're going to get into some Earth stuff. We just had uh, Earth Day, and uh, there's the there was the Science March happening and the People's Climate March this upcoming weekend. So to lead us in that direction, our first question says, would you rather mow the lawn or work in the garden? I, I'd rather work in the garden. Um, okay. Honestly, I can't. I don't know that I've ever even mowed a lawn. Oh my word! There it is. Really? I, I have teenage boys, and I had a sister and brother who loved doing it, and so I. But I love my garden. There you go. So um, we're trying to turn as much of our lawn into garden as possible. Yes. <laughs> um, so there's I'm, your answer. <laughs> so, but I'm not doing it, right? <laughs> like <laughs> that is the um, you know the wrong part of the couple on for that question. But um, there we go. I actually, I do a lot of the physical building. That's my thing. So like, I like to build the garden in which he plays in. Plants, grows, whatever, plays. I don't know. He's out there for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I love flowers and I love to do that. But I am really allergic to grass. So I don't mind the physicalness of it, but it like flattens me because I can't be around yeah. all the stuff. Um, even like on my skin, you know, like all of it, I'm just, I'm really allergic to it. Wow. You know, I, I should have thought of that excuse when I was growing up, you know, that could have <laughs> saved me many hours of, uh, of lawn mowing. Um, uh, so I probably prefer mowing, uh, to working in the garden, even though working in the garden feels more romantic and, you know, there's a payoff at the end of, you know, either flowers or vegetables, uh, but there's something about mowing the lawn that's just, it's regular, it's consistent, you know what to expect, it's contained, so you know when you've started, you know when you're done. Um, and I can do other, you know, I can kind of let my mind wander, it could be a contemplative time, or I can listen to a podcast. So I think for all of those reasons, uh, I'd probably lean towards mowing the lawn. Though I like the idea of a garden, and I'm glad that people around me garden, including my spouse. Um, I think it says a lot about your personality that you'd rather decapitate blades of grass than grow something. Oh, wow. Wow. Put it that way. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ouch. Hey, but I see you had to get that old fashioned mower out the other day. I love those things. Uh, I yes. wanted one of the those. little blade ones. Yes. I, I love them. It is cool. It's, you know, it's one of those old uh, real mowers. So no engine, just the thing you push it and the blades spin and. I mean, it's crazy. I'm just used to like there being a loud engine while I'm doing this. And the fact that my lawn is being cut almost in silence is like, how is this? How does this work? What is this black magic? <laughs> but I, yeah, exactly. But I have a pretty big yard. So it, it's a tall order to do the whole thing with a real mower. But I did it once. So maybe I can keep doing it. But, but Brian, you have kids that are almost teenagers. Don't they? Wouldn't they think it's fun to do that? That is a really great point. I will think about that for next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that's what a friend posted he's like brian you have three boys what are you put posting about how long it took you to mow the lawn you're doing it wrong exactly. you're doing it wrong <laughs> yep oh my gosh so 
love our next question, courtesy of our guest on the show. So uh, Shannon asked, what are the implications for calling Earth mother? Does this relate to the mistreatment of her body? So maybe let's pause there before we get into the second part of the question. Um, so I, I just found it really fascinating as I thought about um, Earth Day. I've been thinking a lot about, um, I know Carol Howard Merritt was on your show a couple of weeks ago and this fight, kind of online fight, which if you guys don't know about like, good, but about um, <laughs> complementarianism and the male being over the female in theology and all of that. And, and I just, as I kept seeing all these signs, all these protest signs from the science march of just, but just the just the idea of like wow this thing that we abuse that um kind of this official you know denial of what we're how we're abusing her you know like all of this kind of like policy put in place that is keeping her um in a perpetual state of our our abuse being normalized and i just was like wow this is this is really interesting to kind of, and and maybe people have done tons of work on this. And if so, I'm, I, I'm totally behind and I apologize, but I just thought it was really interesting to think about there for a minute, you know? Yes. So, yeah. Um, and I guess less or less, not less, just there's, there's this policy parallel kind of going on. Right. So there's yes. in our theology, there's this, um, you know, one of the things that's coming out of this discussion of, well, I don't agree that, I, I do agree that it's abusive, that um, the theology of the male always being the head and, you know, the, the woman needing to s submit to the male and blah, blah, blah. I, I agree that that's bad, but free speech, but free speech. And it's like, wow, so you're putting free speech over you know you're 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 choosing one over the other and it, it's just kind of mind-blowing to me and that's the same thing like we have we feel that we have this inerrant right to do whatever we want to this creation that we've been given to be stewards of if you want to talk about it in theolo theological language yep. and we have this but i get to do whatever i want you know um and so one becomes more important than the other so yeah. Sucks, yeah. And, you know, and we use those uh, terms that we take from sort of the complementarian view or the patriarchal view of submission. And we kind of apply that to the earth as well, you know, like feel the earth and subdue it, or it must submit to whatever we want to do for our ends. And it is really interesting to think about those parallels. And even if it's not, um, explicitly conscious i you do wonder what's happening subconsciously even in the language by which we uh think about earth and creation well i think there's a certain amount of arrogance and ignorance um surrounding this subject and and, and it's i feel like it's based it's the, theologically based that because we have this idea that we were created in god's image so you know, everything must bow down to us. We're the most important thing. We can destroy the earth. We're never going to be destroyed. My my biggest thing, and I, you've probably heard me say it before, is we're not destroying the earth. The earth is so much bigger than we are. However, 
we're probably going to create this extinction of our own species. But we're so arrogant to think that that won't happen because we're too powerful for that or we're too godlike for that. Yet we can't think past our own bank account to, you know, to care about what's going to happen in the next few generations to our children, what kind of world they're going to live in, because we wanted money right now. We wanted convenience right now. And it's, it's just ridiculous that this is our society. And I, I often wonder, 100 years from now, if humans are still around, what they're going to look back and think about our society today. Yeah, I, I remember maybe 10 years ago, even reading an article about um, how India was becoming more and more of a um, industrial kind of society, right? And it was this article on like, oh my God, if all of India gets cars, we're all totally screwed. Yes. I and it was that. this panic of like India having cars the way that we have it and they can't do that. They will destroy the earth. And I'm like, okay, but we don't get to say that. Like we're not the ones that get to tell them what to do in this situation. Exactly. But we're still doing it. Oh my gosh, we're just exactly. we can exactly. do it, but you can't. We're like, you're going to ruin it for us. And like, they're going, but you're already ruining it for us. So yes. shut up. Yeah, yeah. We, we got there first and we've hit the maximum <laughs> planetary capacity. So sorry, everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's so, so American of us. But I do, I honestly do think there's a correlation to the way we treat the earth and we view women. Um. I think it's it's very much how our our society. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so so first it's Mother Earth, right? Like that's that's Mother Nature, Mother Earth. Yep. Um, there's a lot of stories, and and um, when you I, I had a minor in which means absolutely nothing besides I took a couple classes, right? But I <laughs> yes. I have a minor in religious studies from my bachelor's degree, and it, which meant. I got the blessing of reading all kinds of sacred texts and all of them have either a or multiple creation stories. And right. a lot of them deal with a, a female ness to the earth, the, the, the ground, the land. Um, and it comes from the Latin word of blah, 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 which means to give forth life. Right? So of course the thing that gives forth life, is it, it has a correlation with female because that's just and especially in a day and a time when they didn't fully understand how the male contributed to life then you know it just it makes perfect sense and and all of this stuff and i'm and again i'm just going to throw out there are people that are like going to know the goddess stories and know that and i just don't and i'm sorry I forgot them a long time ago, but they're out there and I'm sh they're, they're beautiful and go read them. But, um, yeah. So we start with that, like, it, it's kind of the same thing. Like we, the way that we idealize motherhood as the thing that it's the ideal for women, right? Virgin Mary, mother earth, blah, blah you know, like mothering is the ideal. The, the, the highest thing you can achieve as a woman and and it's really difficult to separate that then again from other divine feminine besides giving forth life besides life giving in in the birth kind of way 
So I think that's where it starts with the problems. Are, are you refer when you say the other gifts, um, are you referring to, um, you know, like wisdom of the heart, healing, those type of things? Is that yeah, what you consider feminine gifts? I do. I mean, I think nurture, shelter, love. Um, but also, I mean, let's look at nature. There are some very fierce and, and ferocious elements to nature that we don't often equate with Mother Earth, right? Um, tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes and volcano eruptions and, you know, just no, all God of gets it. credit for that. <laughs> yeah, like those are... Those are God punishing yeah, us. Right? Yes, those right. are the acts of God, no doubt. Those are acts of God, these terrible, horrible, like, and yet they're also part, I mean, if we didn't, um, okay, I'm going to tell this terrible story, right? But I love this story. Um, I, I was, so a little bit between seminary and my first call, I was living with a parishioner of my former church, of my, the, my intern church. She was a lovely lady, right? And so I'm I'm moving and I'm living with her for a couple of weeks and she's sweeping and dusting one day. And she is like, why did God invent dust? This is the most ridiculous thing ever. Why did God do this for us? And I just looked at her and I said, you know, Nancy, we're the ones that built the house, right? Like there's no dust outside. Like there's, there's dust in the like dirt, but there's no, like we built, we cut down the trees, we built the house. And in a lot of ways that, I mean, it's the same thing, like, right? Like if volcanoes erupted without people around, it, it would be a cleansing and the churning of nature, right? Exactly. It would be mountain. It, like it, it's, it's to create more mountains. It's to. Yeah. 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 So when you made that comment, did she say, get out of my house? <laughs> <laughs> no, she was like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> she, I totally took away her like, I get to blame God for this moment. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Right. You took away her sort of, uh, yeah, railing against uh, her righteous anger. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. So I'm interested. I think Shannon, you rightly note the uh, theological sort of uh, origins in multiple ancient religious traditions of thinking of the earth as feminine, as female. Um, how much do you think that has seeped into or is accepted by, let's just say for shorthand, uh, conservative Christians or evangelical Christians? Because I think many of them get a little afraid of that language or will not own that because they'll say, oh, Mother Earth, that feels new agey. Mm -hmm. uh, the Earth is not, doesn't, there's nothing spiritual about it. It's an object that God created for our use. Um, and, and, so yeah, I, say, say a little bit about that. No, I just, I think you use the right word. It's an object created, right? Okay. So um, the, I mean, that, that parallels the objectification of it for my pleasure, for my use, for, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously. I like, see no a doubt. parallel there. No <laughs> I mean, that's like, if the earth is here for me to build a house on, to have recreation on, for me to tear down and build up whatever I want to use and manipulate in all the ways for my benefit, then it is objectification. Um, as opposed to, which which often, I mean, makes me wonder, right? So if we go back to the first stewards of the earth in our um, Hebrew Bible, it's Cain and Abel, 
um, and they're, they're working the land and Abel's offering was acceptable to God and Cain's was not. Like, we don't really know all the details around that, but we, right. the language is one is acceptable and one is not acceptable. And it often, like, I, I wonder, is that because he, did Cain, for example, abuse the earth for his advantage mm. in some way and was able more of a, of a true steward, like allowed the earth to grow allowed the trees or, you know, he was the fruits keeper and Cain was yep. the animal keeper, you know? So it, it just makes me, it, I mean, you know, there's lots of different ways you could go with that, but if we are to be, what does it mean to be a true steward? It really comes down to that question. So if, if we have an equality in a relationship, um, which we often, you know, especially modern day progressives we strive for in any relationship, but specifically a marriage one or, you know, whatever, we, we strive for that equality and the lack of using you in any way for my benefit instead of building you up for your greatest potential and self. And so I yeah. think that's, that's where we begin to abuse um, mm. this mother, this mother mm. earth. Yeah, and I, you know, I think you're right about that uh, objectification. And hey, this is just here for us to use. Uh, we had a, a local Catholic nun at our pub theology conversation here in Holland last night, and she was talking about a Guatemalan um, approach to agriculture that she had heard of, where they, before planting seeds in the ground, they would ask permission of the earth to even dig, mm -hmm. dig the hole, and and implant the seed. And I just thought that was cool, you know? It just showed this uh, reciprocity and this respect and this mutuality. And I think so often we just are unthinking in our engagement with nature. It's like, oh, here's a tree that's in my way, I'll take it down. Or here's a tree that could become something else, I'll chop it up. Uh, and of course we've heard, we all are familiar with Native American traditions where when any animal is used for food, it's, you know, a, a blessing is is spoken to that animal and thanks is given for the life that was given up so that others could derive the benefits. Uh, and I just think we've lost a lot of that in our sort of Western imperial approach to the environment and the earth. Do you think that's because we are no longer, <clears throat> excuse me, for the most part, hands-on with our food and with, um, you know, we go to the grocery store, we don't go to the garden, we don't go hunt it ourselves. I, I met a guy um, last week who, who said that to me. He said he was a vegetarian. He's been a vegetarian for 10 yeah. years. And he said he was reading he was reading a book and he saw a picture in this book of these men just slaughtering penguins and throwing them on the ship. And it was a historical book. It's just the way things were, you know? And he, he was like, oh, I could never do that. And then he thought to himself, if I could never do that, how am I still eating meat? You know, if I could never slaughter the cow myself, and you know and and you know eat the meat from that cow that i killed myself how can i eat meat and i i respect that i mean i still eat meat <laughs> um but i respect the fact that it's when it's done with your own hands i think you have a certain more respect for it um i'm i'm taking hunting aside from that because i think some hunters do and some don't so you know that's a whole different discussion no doubt yeah, I th 
So I want to unpack that story just for a second. Can we kind of put it in a little more what um, that Guatemalan story of she or or she was telling a way of doing agriculture that was I'm going to ask consent to put a seed in you. <laughs> this seriously. That is what I mean. I'm asking consent. I'm asking your permission. Yes. Isn't that just to... almost gives me goosebumps? Right. And that I mean, how first off, the the respect for the the ground, the earth, the like I mean, I, I think you know, Tina, you're right. Like if we're back on this way of of seeing um think about a bad harvest year right and and a bad harvest year means your family starves like your family potentially starves that's right and and so you're respecting this earth a lot and and weather and everything else like impacting you um and it i think that's why and not to get too political on this but why the current election or the last election that midwest just shocked the hell out of me <laughs> and and well and part of it is i get it i mean i get it like we want more farming subsidies and we feel like democrats are going to cut that or you know whatever we need jobs we need jobs we need jobs that's what it's about i'm not saying i condone it and get it in that way but you know but these are the people that like do most of the agriculture in this country, except for California, who's like the second biggest, you know, California could be a country in itself and it no, probably no. will be. Oh, I think they're trying. They're <laughs> trying really hard. And Derek and I have already discussed moving there. But nonetheless, um, you know, like it just it's 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 all the beef, all the, you know, corn, all all this stuff that makes our lifestyle churn in America and and they're the ones that live and die by this weather that they're also the large people who say climate change isn't real yes. and I'm like I, I, ah, I don't understand your logic at all but yeah, I but also I, don't understand your theology either <laughs> no, but anyway go right. ahead <laughs> Well, I, I've seen articles about people who think that um, we shouldn't have windmills because they're stealing all the wind. I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Are you what? Yeah. Is that real? Yeah. Stealing the wind. Yeah. Woo! I mean, I've read articles about how it's killing a bunch of birds and it changes migratory patterns and blah, blah, blah. blah but like yes. stealing. Oh, it's soaking the sun. We can't have solar panels. It's stealing the sun. It's sucking. It's, yeah. Like sucking this is all the not. Sun, the death ray right like this is not star wars like this is it doesn't do that this is what's causing it star wars <laughs> star wars star wars kylo ren has built a thing and he's sucking the like energy out of our sun so that he exactly. can destroy our planet killer <laughs> i mean i do feel like i do when i have discussions i do feel like i'm like you are living in i you know what i think it's opposite i think they think i'm living in a science fiction film when yeah. I'm like, no, the earth is going to be scorched and this is what's going to happen. And they're like, you're, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not like, that's how it is. They like, always call people crazy until it, shit goes down. Right. And, I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, you were right. They, they're experiencing it. I mean, there's more tornado, like, you know, the, like the, the violent weather is up and the, 
patterns of weather have changed. Like we're already experiencing it. We so are. I, I just don't get the denial anymore. I well, really don't. Because because people fear change. So they're going to look for any reason to discount what's happening. So they don't have to change their lifestyle. They don't have to change the way they live. I've heard people say, oh, this is the coldest winter we've ever had so much for global warming. When the whole premise behind global oh warming is that everything gets erratic. It doesn't right. just get warmer. It just gets erratic. Right. Which but, is why but, we, we call it climate change now, right? Like it's a change. Yeah. It's yeah. not. So I find this really. So Brian, you actually asked a question and it was, I think it was tongue in cheek, but, but I actually think this is really interesting given this, like where our discussion has gone, which is like, if, if God, the father, if you will, and mother earth, um, divorced, <laughs> I think that was me. <laughs> Did you ask that? Like who got custody of Jesus? I put it on Facebook. I said, oh who my got gosh. Of Jesus. <laughs> what? Say that again. I said, what I, what I put on Facebook when I posted this show was I said, tonight we're going to discuss Mother Earth versus God the Father. And then I said something else. And then I said, and who gets custody of Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and oh I just, I thought that was brilliant, first off. <laughs> but it's true. Like, the, the, like oh, that's what the right? same thing was. When, theology versus science. Like, you you discount scientific facts to fit your theology. So yes. So, well, but I, I think, right. Like, so who, so where, so let's take Jesus. I mean, take Jesus wherever you want, but like in my, like, so first off I was like, well, there's 50, 50 custody cause he's fully human and fully God. And I was like, wow, Shannon, shut up. You know, like, <laughs> I, was like Boom, I got an answer for everything. Um, but, but I just, I found it really fascinating given like Jesus time on earth and his very social justice oriented self. Yes. And just thought like he would be, he would be in the middle of all of this going. And here's where I think, you know, going, don't you understand that it's one and the same? Like, and I and I I think that's the part in our now we we abuse I, we could talk about this for a whole nother hour we abuse God even worse than we abuse Mother Nature you know like we manipulate God in ways to fit our agenda even more than we abuse Earth to say you are you are here to resource me you know um, so I think I think Jesus is gonna go. Emancipation. Yeah, yeah. That's like what I thinking. <laughs> yeah, like you're you you guys got it all wrong. Like totally and all wrong. But I I can't imagine a Jesus that's not on the side of clean water, clean air, doing what is best for the environment. I just I can't imagine a Jesus that doesn't have I, that kind yeah. of stance. I, I agree, and I think as particularly when you look at who's going to bear the brunt of the consequences of climate change soonest, it will be the poor. It mm -hmm. will be the marginalized uh, who are scraping together a living uh, as best they can. I mean, the people who are more wealthy will figure out ways to adapt because they can afford it, uh, but those who are 
not in a position to do that are going to find themselves on the short end of food shortages, um, work shifts, farming um, impacts and things like that. So uh, I agree with you. And we're already struggling, right? Like, so today marks the today yesterday i'm sorry yesterday marks the third anniversary of when the flint water report yes. came out and like that i mean of saying there is a, there is poisonous amounts of lead in this water and it has been that way for a very long time and and we're three years out and they're still getting water in bottles which let's not even go into the bottle thing like bottling water thing but like this presidency has given permission to coal companies to dump its waste back in rivers yeah. i mean we're building pipelines blah blah like i just i mean the the ignorance of money versus environment is just absurd right now i mean i really do feel like i'm living in a twilight zone I mean, I really, really do. It's really true. And and let's talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned um, that in many uh, versions of Christianity, most, in fact, God is thought of in male terms, God the Father. And, and I liked how you framed this question, does that implied maleness of God explain that often in certain versions of Christianity, the spiritual is prioritized over the physical? or heavenly salvation is mm. prioritized over holistic ministry that affects people's sort of physical lives right now. Um, so, so let's talk about that a little bit, because uh, I think we see that happening and we can sort of abdicate caring for the earth, for people's whole being, because we, saying we very loosely, we or some of us in the church think, well, as long as you got the salvation question right, then we're doing our job as people of faith. I think that's a big shift with progressive Christianity, which I appreciate, right? I grew up Southern Baptist, grew up evangelical, grew up with a heaven mindset, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll fly yeah. away, baby. Exactly, which I do love the song, okay? Yeah, I know. But yeah. <laughs> So pretty, but anyway, so, but they're very much that mindset and, and worked my whole life to go, then why were we given this life? Right? Why were, why, yep. why, 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 which I hate that. I, 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 I don't hate the question. Why I choose not to ask it of myself anymore. Cause it doesn't lead down pretty roads. <laughs> um, but I started to kind of go like, what does this mean for with this of my life if all i'm trying to do is get to heaven and and that seemed like a ridiculous way of living life and yet found a community found a church found a whatever that said no this life is important and let's really look at G what jesus said and he every time they kept wanting to go to this um heaven focused redemption he kept bringing them back down to where they were right now mm -hmm. he told a story that brought him back around he said i i'm going to prepare a place for you don't worry i'll be there don't freak out like let it go and and it just was so in interesting to read scripture in a liberation gospel right kind yep. of way that said yep. release yourself from what is to come next God will take care of that. 
your responsibility is here and now. Yes. And and I think that's a big paradigm shift that has happened in the last 20, 30 years. But we still are, I'm I'm still fighting against that theology with congre- my congregants, with people around me, with our political culture, and with the world in, in the largest growing Latin American and um, you know, even in uh, African, you know, the nature yeah, yeah, yes, where, yes. where there's more conservative kind of heaven focused, your reward will be in heaven. Um, yeah. Thinking where, where Marx's criticism uh, continues to ring true, right? It's the uh, opiate of the masses that, well, if life isn't so great now, don't worry, you, you got it coming in the next one. Exactly. And it just keeps the proletariat happy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I, I just I think that's really a culprit with a lot of environmental concerns or lack thereof in our nation, which you talked about, you know, whether it was part of this whole election cycle that we came through or just large portions of, you know, good Christian people in our nation have this prioritizing. And I think it's just what they've been given. And it's just, you know, and you can read the Bible at a certain level where you feel like, well, this is. This seems to be what scripture says. So I'm doing the right thing, you know, and, you know, it's all about, you know, confessing Jesus as Lord to go to heaven one day and everything else is kind of gravy or, and, or not that important. And, uh, mm, I just think it, it really, we're, we're paying the consequences for it. I find it interesting. I've been asking, um, this, so I've been in congregational ministry for about 15 years now and and whenever the question gets asked of where do you find god mm. 9 times out of 10 the answer is in nature <laughs> yes right so true what i say 9 times out of 10 the answer that is yes absolutely it's nature it's the birds singing it's the flowers growing in the garden it's a walk in the woods I mean, just it's, it's, and yeah. again, these have been Presbyterian churches. So mainline, middle of the road to left of middle of the road, you know, kind of churches, but yeah. every single time, just about every single time, every once in a while you get, you know, in whatever. But I, I just, I think about that in terms of, I find God in my specially set aside park that I walk in, you know, kind of thing. And I yeah. often want to ask, but do you find God in your neighbor, in your very suburban neighborhood that you walk around, in your inner city neighborhood that you walk? Like, you know, that's also nature that we have paved over and pristine lawn and everything else. But like, no, I need to go to the special, the special place, <laughs> the special well, place, the preserve that we have set aside of, and that's where God lives in this tiny little acre or a couple acres of land that are natural with my carved out trail and, you know, polluted little stream. You know, I, I, I'm going to take a different spin on that, Shannon, because I think when people say that they find God in nature, I think what they're really saying is they find God in silence, which Mm. is so rare to any of us in this world today. Like we have to be really intentional about it. But when you're out in nature, there's a silence that you find that you can't find when you're surrounded by people or, you know, in 
whatever, like there's constant noise, there's constant disruption. So I just equate that with, you know, when, when people are out in nature, they, they find silence. They, they can actually hear, you know, and yeah. here we go with, with if, if Ogan were here, he would be saying that's because they find the silence and that's when they can feel God within themselves is when they hit that silence. Yes. And what about people who find God while in nature listening to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, I mean, I, I do a lot of hiking. Hiking is one of my favorite like sports, if you will. Yeah. Like I've had a whole thing on why hiking is not and also a sport, you know, kind of deal. But anyway, like, um, but I, I do sometimes turn on music because for me, the silence gets to be too much. Like I kind of go a little batty, hmm. um, which, yeah, you can analyze that all you want. Go right ahead. But like, <laughs> I just, I, I think, yes, for some of them, that is very true. Um, some, I have, I've, I have, um, <sighs> I have a couple of prisoners that are, are like what I kind of call like rich people sports, like birding you know, and they fly all over the country and like bird, you know, which I'm sorry, wait a second. They consider NASCAR a sport too. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I mean, people argue that they're like, Shannon, hiking isn't a sport. And I'm like, NASCAR is a sport. Hiking can be a sport. Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> but, but I mean, there's just all kinds of different ways, but I think ultimately what they're getting at, whether it's silence, finding God in themselves, seeing, I think, that's the thing, like um, seeing non-human made um, forest, you know, stream, desert, whatever is, is and, and I think it's a connection. You're absolutely right. It's, it's a connection to the God within themselves, but it's a connection to something bigger than them. And I think that's ultimately when we say, where do you find nature? You know, we're, I, I, I find God in nature because I, I find God in something that's bigger than me and bigger than humanity. Because good God, please let there be something bigger than humanity. And I think that's where we really connect with it. Yeah. So the question is, did Jesus prioritize humans and human needs over the rest of creation? He said, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. But of how much more value are you than the birds? <sighs> Jesus. <Ouch>. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then consider the lilies, how they grow. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you? Well, Jesus is dissing on nature a little, I, isn't I'm he? I don't think he is. I don't think it was his exact, exact words. I think it was somebody's interpretation. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair I, I don't think he is. I think he's saying that. Ugh, sorry, I'm making that terrible noise that I inherited from my mother. Um, <laughs> and every time I do it, I'm like, oh God, why did I do it? Um, <laughs> I. So it makes. I mean, I, I I would love to know. Do do lilies of the field feel right? Do lilies of the field? I mean scientifically we know they don't have brains and whatever and and there's a beauty in the fact that a really dumb bird right a raven go ravens 
by the way, um, that a really dumb okay. bird um, knows it's worse in a way that we un we we dissect our worth and somehow make ourselves unworthy and unacceptable in God's eyes and blah 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 like. And I don't think birds do that. I don't think plants do that. They have a purpose. They fulfill it. They go back to the earth. They're good. So I don't know that Jesus is prioritizing humans as much as he's like, you know, there's an element to them that we we should really have. And and how much yeah. more complex are you? Yes. Right? So maybe if we turn it as to complexity of humanity versus priority. Priority. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe no, I'm stretching I, Jesus a little too thin. Maybe, you know. No, I think it's fair. And I, I kind of asked it tongue in cheek. I just thought, you know, here's a text where we have Jesus talking about nature and, you know, using really as it, using it, as you said, as an analogy to, you know, if nature finds what it needs from the hand of God, then, you know, we can Why trust that we? as well. But isn't isn't that Matthew six right? Isn't that? Um, um, I quoted the Luke twelve version, but it's also in Matthew six, I believe. So yeah. I mean, the rest of that is what I consider to be a very privileged text, right? Do not worry where your next meal is coming from. Do not worry where your clothes are coming from. Now, right. you know, don't don't worry about your clothes is fine, but like, it's a very privileged thing to say. Don't worry about where your next meal is coming from. You know, like. Yeah, but don't you think Jesus was saying that as a more or less as a peasant, as a poor person? Yeah, but he also had like minions that went and ran and got him food while he preached. So you know, uh, yeah. So Shannon, you don't you don't believe you don't trust that your needs are going to be met. Oh, oh! Wow, we're having a session suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. No, I don't. I mean, I'm just going to be flat on honest. I really uh -huh. struggle with that. But mm. I don't I don't think that's because of God. I mean, I this is where like gosh, wow. guys, you know, I've said this wow. before. I think even on this show, like this is the one place I am truly Calvinist is like the sinfulness of humanity will stop me. Like if I became truly destitute, if I had nothing, I I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would be taken care of. Um, because that apple that I take off the tree now belongs to somebody and I'm stealing from them. You know, like I, it's... Isn't that your perception though? I mean, nature doesn't really belong to any of us. It's just an illusion that we create. It's our we societal say it's our perception. Yep. You know, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but but I think that's the reality of living in a fact of going back to Mother Nature, the fact that I can own a piece of land. It is mine to do whatever I want to, you know. Yeah. It's just a um, ridiculous concept, yeah. Exactly. So if I lived on the earth in a way that property ownership did not exist and whatever, and it meant that I could roam from place to place and get fed where I needed. I could live off the land for sure. There's enough food in this world for every single person and then some. Yep. Um, if we didn't have boundaries and borders and walls and bank accounts, fences, bank accounts, yeah, everything else, then yeah, I would be provided for. 
um, physically, you know, I don't know about emotionally, but that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come back next <laughs> Which week. We will not talk about tonight. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, in, in our time left here, what about this, um, question of that? It's often understood that if faith and science clash, and we hinted that hinted at this earlier, that generally we assume faith has to give way or the theology is bad. Not that the science is bad and needs to adjust. It's that the theology must be rethought. That, that depends on who you talk to. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that stick by their theology and completely deny scientific fact. Um, that being said, I think science moves a lot faster than theology does. You know, like I think science is better at saying, ooh, we got that wrong. Now we realize that, you know, yes. this is the way it is. Whereas theology has a little more pride in that. Ooh, pride and less uh, verifiably testable measures. Oh, very true. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that, right. Like we don't, we don't, um, I, what I've always loved about science is the, I can prove it, but the more people that prove my theory, the better. That's right. And in theology, we almost have the opposite thing. Like my experience is sacred. And, and untouchable. And untouchable. And you can't, if you claim to have the same experience or a similar experience, then no, 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 no. Then you copied my experience. You know, like what? A, just, yeah. It's weird that way. Or if you, you know. don't believe, then you just don't have enough faith. Right. But I do, I do think, I mean, in, in kind of a, without talking about a specific example we can say that like in our society, we, we um, prioritize fact over belief. I think that is, that is true. And I do think that a lot of scientific fact has influenced modern progressive theology. And yes. I think that that is a good thing. Um, I, kn I know for me where it pushes, like stem cell doesn't push my envelope. I think that stem cell research is very good and could be very helpful and productive for us. Um, however, cloning pushes my theology. Like yes. I'm not comfortable with it. I am not comfortable. Like, cause I, I don't, but then, you know, I, I believe that God is so big that even if we clone God is present there, right? In that thing. But but it pushes me to a point where I say, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't think that that's natural. But it's yeah. also in the category where I'm like, I don't feel like embalming is natural, right? Like not to get into whatever, <laughs> but like, you know, but it, I'm it, with it, you. But it gets put in that very similar category of like, that's where science to me has gone too far to clean up the messiness that comes with creation and birth and death and everything else like and trying to make it logical and linear and exactly and and i think that there are things that need to remain messy that need to remain really really complicated but i'm not a person that said you know god gave us plants on this earth and if we make penicillin from those plants good let great let's do it right like yeah. those plants were given in a way that that we figured out how to have medicinal purposes and good for us you know thank you god for that yeah and if it's 420 then you know you hey, just you it know. needs to be done well <laughs> and and there's a uh, there's a theory that there is a, there's a plant there's a medicinal 
herbal plant cure or, you know, earthy cure for every single disease that's come about. But it's just a matter of us finding it, being able to see it and stopping creating our own diseases. Well, that's the key, right? Since the industrial revolution and maybe even before, like we create how can we find a cure within creation of something that we created from polluting creation? <laughs> I mean, well, right, right. right. Like there's the perpetual cycle other um, than reversing what we're doing. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, I mean, I think that that, so the body, the body is meant to regenerate the earth. Like we are meant to be put in the ground as is. Mm-hmm and be worm food and get regenerated into mineral and earth. And like, we are of earth. Like we are, that is, we are 90 whatever percent water. From dust and, we came to dust we shall return. Yeah, and, and what a blessing for us but to God, give back to the earth. But God, you created this dust and I can't clean my house. <laughs> Sorry, Tina. That's okay, but but you know, like that's a blessing to us to be able to replenish the earth when we die, and and we're stopping ourselves from doing that. And I have a big problem with the fact that I can't legally just replenish the earth like i have to put all these chemicals in my body which i don't like to do in life why would i want to do it in is death? that law that you have to do that it's um, starting to not be so I, like okay. it, it just i think and california is one of the states that doesn't like west coast is you know very progressive in this area which is great um but they're still they're still in a preserve right they're still in now okay i get it i don't want to be buried in my backyard and 40 years later like somebody's putting a hydrangea bush in and like finds my like and like freaks out right I, I mean i get that yeah exactly and but but you're you're put in a natural grave and you're you're just wrapped in a shroud. I mean, and you're mm -hmm. put in this natural grave and they plant a tree on top of you. Yeah. And it's like that's how I want to go. I'm that's like, what I that, want. Yeah, that's it. And I don't want a plaque. I don't want to you know anything yeah. like you don't want a steel tree. case that is impenetrable. Ugh, I really don't. I <laughs> this is listen. This is what I say all the time. I say I took enough space when I was on earth, like after I am done with this body, I don't need to take up any more space. Like I, I, I own a piece of land. I have a house on it. As much as I disagree with those things, I still do it because that's what we do. And, and I, you know, cultivate that land, a small, um, 128 square feet of it. <laughs> hey, don't Derek does. <laughs> Derek, okay. But I built it. Oh no, it. you you set the stage. Exactly. I set the yeah. stage. I built it. <laughs> we, you know, listen, in our house, we compost. We grow, I mean, but we can't, we don't have enough land to grow enough for our whole family. And and that's okay. Like we farmers market it. And I can't say that we do the best we can do. Like we still regular grocery store it and don't buy all local and you know, whatever. But like we do our best to reduce our trash and to recycle as much as we can. And I know it's just not enough. And it just it will never so be you. enough. It matters though, so thank you. It I does mean, matter. It really does. And does. and I even was, I was at church on Wednesday. Um, we were cooking for the homeless shelter and I've gotten to the point where like, I can't let the spare you know, vegetables and waste and whatever go in the trash. I'm like, put it in a special bag. I'll take it home and compost it. Like, I just can't even do it anymore. I can't, I can't throw it away. And that's, 
that's all Derek's fault. <laughs> yeah, like, go Derek. That's fantastic. right. That's all his influence. I love it. I love it. Well, wow. This is a maybe a good note to uh, steer toward our close. Uh, talking about composting and recycling and reusing. Um, any final word from either of you on what we've talked about tonight? I think it's worth continuing to think about, like each and every one of us, right? And and yeah, let's let's stop objectification in all ways. Let's figure out how to do it. Mm. We're smart and capable and whole. Let's figure out how to do it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Tina, any anything? I don't. I don't like the pressure of the final word. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Cheers, exactly. Tina. Woo! Exactly. Hey, you've been given. You've been given uh, all right, wait, wait, wisdom all night. Word. So. Yeah. Who gets custody of Jesus? <laughs> he he files for emancipation. Honestly, um, <laughs> God does because God is the in our society. God would. Yeah. Ooh. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you, friends, for <laughs> tuning in and listening to Pub Theology Live. You can connect with us on social media and please help spread the word on social media. Share our podcast on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, elsewhere on the social media waves and you can listen to us anytime you don't have to wait for tuesday night you can listen anytime on soundcloud stitcher or itunes and you can find a conversation like this in your town i had one of these literally in holland last night we got some people together local pub got some beers and we sat down just like this conversation and had a great time talking about these issues so look for that a directory at pubtheology.com and thank you again to our sponsors, Craft Beer Cellar, who you'll find at craftbeercellar.com, and Wink Wine Club at trywink.com slash ptlive. And don't forget to leave us a message with your thoughts on the show or on one of the questions we've talked about. You can leave that voicemail on our Casual Priest hotline at 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. And if you leave that voicemail, you may win some free gear from Casual Priest. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Fun. I know. I like having Shannon on. <laughs> Thanks. I'm always like, oh my god, I'm such a ditz. They're never gonna like want me on again. Are you serious? <laughs> I love when you're on the show. I mean, I think I was gone for one of them, and that was probably our best episode ever, just because I wasn't here. But Stop seriously it. though, seriously though, we love having you on. So thank you. Mm. I'm an Enneagram too. If you know about Enneagram, like I'm a helper. I'm a mm -hmm. like, how can I fulfill your life and make you happy oh. but like are you really time, i don't think i would have i would not have picked you as a two i wouldn't have guessed that oh yeah i'm super two you have to meet me like real life kind of like yeah 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 oh yeah yeah like i'll do i'll do anything to make you happy um not anything but you know whatever um i think that's what derek likes about me it's getting weird so, <laughs> <laughs> hey male or female doesn't matter um so <laughs> but there's um so I am like a super emotional, super intuitive being. 
and yeah. he is like all in his head and very like um, is he a five a, he's a five he is exactly a five yep all right guys it's dinner time here yeah yeah, yeah. oh god it's like bedtime See you, Tina. good night <laughs> i know my goodness West well Coast thanks here. shannon this was a blast thanks brian so much <laughs> <laughs>